Hope everyone had a great 2022. Welcome to the first episode of 2023 of the Visual Intonation Podcast with your host, me, Monte Gregory. In today's episode, we will be discussing the concept of the poor image as outlined in the book in defense of the poor image by Hito Styrel. Hito Styrel, born in 1966, quickly rose to prominence in Germany's filmmaking circles. She's interested in how images and motifs are spread around the world as a result of globalization, militarization, and surveillance migration. Styrel's work defies convention by layering metaphors on top of metaphors and painting satire over serious subjects. One thing is clear throughout Styrel's work. She wants her audience to think about the topic as much as she did. Styrel, on the other hand, doesn't make beautiful, intellectually challenging films just to make them. She is also well known for her writing, particularly her contributions to art magazines and journals. In defense of the poor image, published in 2009, is one of her most acclaimed works. This essay has been widely discussed on the internet, and it raises an issue that few minefields have considered. How does distribution and viewing change an original image? And does it make it better or worse? Styro discusses how an image can be transformed, warped, and changed over time in this essay. This process can take an image that is high quality and authentic, and make it into something that Styro calls a poor image. What exactly is a bad image? In her essay, Styro defines it as follows. It is a ghost of an image, a preview, a thumbnail, an errant idea, an itinerant image distributed for free, squeezed through slow digital connections, compressed, reproduced, ripped, remixed, as well as copied and pasted into the other channels of distributions. In other words, it seems as if a poor image is any image that has been distributed or viewed through digital technology, posted on the internet or shared on social media. In her essay, Styro clarifies that an out of focus image is an image with reduced value. Using Woody Allen's 1997 film Deconstructing Harry as an example. In Deconstructing Harry, the lack of focus of the main character correlates with his inability to find a job, literally conveying his reduced value as an image on screen. In contrast, being in focus is used to show a position of privilege, higher class, and higher value. However, it is not just the focus of an image that determines whether it begins to crumble into a poor image. The resolution is also an important factor. A high resolution image is more immersive, visually appealing, and of higher quality than a low resolution image. In the world of film, high resolution is thought to have more to offer even the most casual viewer. 
Styro believes that the cinephile culture has pushed for higher resolution above all else and that as more and more high resolution, high quality images were created, technology began to offer more ways to degrade the image's quality over time. File compression, cropping, and filtering are all options. The list continues and the image evolves. However, every film trend has ramification and Styro believes that the emphasis on rich images was no exception. She gives the example of a speaker at a film conference refusing to show clips from a film to the audience because although the facility had a projector and a DVD player, there was no proper equipment to project the film. The cost of preserving a rich image was that the audience received no image at all. Isn't any image always preferable to a bad image? Is a bad image one of the factors that have allowed a love of film and media to spread around the world? One of Styro's main points is that a bad image can be a democratizing force. She claims that the internet has enabled people to gain access to images and information that were previously controlled by a small elite. Because it is accessible to a wider audience and can be used to challenge dominant narratives, the poor image is a symbol of this democratization. Another point made by Styro is that the poor image is a way to resist image commodification. Images are frequently treated as a commodity that can be bought and sold in today's society. However, a bad image is not a commodity because it is not a product that can be purchased and sold. Instead, it is a means of resisting image commodification and reclaiming the power of images for the people. The concept of the poor image is a means of resisting image homogenization. Images are frequently used in today's world to project a specific image or message, and a poor image can be used to disrupt these attempts at homogenization by introducing a different perspective or meaning. The poor image is also interpreted as a form of resistance to the surveillance state. Surveillance is becoming more common as technology advances and images can be used to track and monitor individuals. The poor image, on the other hand, is more difficult to track and monitor because it is frequently shared and distributed across multiple platforms, making it difficult for authorities to control. Furthermore, Styro emphasizes how the marginalized and oppressed can use the poor image to tell their own stories and have their voices heard. Underrepresented communities can use the poor images to express themselves and share their perspectives with the rest of the world. While Styro argues that the poor image is a powerful tool for subversion and democratization, there are also valid arguments against this viewpoint. One argument against the poor image is that it devalues the art and effort put into creating an image. 
The poor image is defined as an image that has been degraded through technological reproduction. But this degradation can also be seen as a loss of quality and integrity in the image. The aura of an original image can be lost and the image loses its value as an art form. Another argument is that the poor image can perpetuate harmful stereotypes and misinformation. The internet is an open platform and anyone can share an image, whether it is accurate or not. Uh, an example is memes, meme culture or uh, shit posting. Poor images that are shared and reshared on the internet can spread misinformation and stereotypes. It can be argued that the poor image can be a tool for spreading misinformation and propaganda. Additionally, the idea of poor image as a democratizing force is debatable. Just because an image is accessible to a wider audience, it does not necessarily mean it is being used to challenge dominant narratives or that it is giving a voice to the marginalized or oppressed. Poor images can also be used to reinforce dominant narratives and silence the marginalized. Another argument against the poor image is that it can lead to a lack of critical thinking and analysis. When images are easily accessible and shared on the internet, it can be easy to take them at face value without considering their context or accuracy. The poor image can lead to a culture of image consumption without critical examination. Furthermore, the poor image can also be used to exploit vulnerable communities. With the rise of social media, images can be used to target and exploit marginalized communities for profit. The poor image can be used to sell products or services to these communities without their consent or understanding of the consequences. Additionally, the poor image can also be used to justify violence and aggression. In some cases, the poor images can be used to dehumanize individuals or groups, making it easier for others to justify violence against them. This is particularly concerning in the context of political conflicts where poor images can be weaponized to incite violence. It is also important to note that not all poor images are created equal. Some are more degraded than others, and some may have more impact than others. The quality of the image is not the only factor that determines its power and impact. It is also worth mentioning that the poor image is not always a symbol of resistance to commodification. It can also be used for commercial purposes to sell products and service more cheaply. It is not just a theoretical exploration of the concept of the poor image. But it is also a call to action. Styral encourages the readers to embrace the poor image as a means of resistance and to use it as a tool for creating change in our society. This brings us to a critical point in Styral's essay, one that is related to her interest in globalization and how media can distribute culture, films, art, and other forms of media that appear as poor images are frequently significant. They may be experimental, 
classical films that only a few people have the proper equipment to project or heritage films that would otherwise be lost in a cloud of dust. Some films are only preserved because they have a poor image. They will fade into obscurity if their quality was not preserved. These images may be low quality, low value, or even illegal, but they exist. They're being viewed and distributed and further altered. In this way, the existence of poor images gives the media a chance at survival against the odds. Styro links a bad image and its popularity. Given that distribution is a big part of what defines a poor image, it stands to reason that poor images are the same as popular images. They're what the public wants to see. Looking at the material contained in poor photos as a result of this self-selection offers us a mirror to our society, ourselves, and the ever-changing digital landscape. It reveals our desires and our fears. It reveals the things we subconsciously desire, but would never admit to ourselves. Not only that, it reveals what is important to us what we wish was important to us, and what we are guilty of. Poor images are an object of human creation, just as much as a painting is. In every poor image, you can imagine the hundreds or thousands of people who were moved by the image enough that they wanted to share it, download it, convert it, or edit it. While it might not appear this way on the surface, poor images are yet another example of human collaboration. So far, we've discussed how a poor image loses resolution, high quality, certain amounts of context, maximum value, and sometimes critical acclaim over time. But in the midst of all these losses, does it gain anything? Styral, for one, believes so. People are connected across countries, through the circulation of poor images across the world without the barriers of media streams, time, or money. Audiences are formed and grouped based on shared beliefs or conflicts, and they watch media that they may never have seen before in its original high-quality format. A poor image gains discussion, debate, and context as it loses its high quality visual impact. Its existence as a bad image sometimes allows it to outlive its natural lifespan. Maybe in a way, being a high quality image creates a kind of weight or restriction, preventing the image from reaching a diverse audience. At the beginning of this essay, it initially sounds like Styro believes that a poor image has little value, but as you might have guessed from the title of this essay, she believes that a poor image should be defended. Each one of her points details the reasons why poor images have been compressed, dematerialized, and lowered in quality. But she then goes on to describe the value that can be found in a poor image and all the things that cinephiles can learn from the existence of poor images. In cinema, there is rarely one right answer. 
instead of black and white film interpretations and artistic creation exist in shades of gray and poor images are the same. A bad image is only created as a result of being viewed, distributed, modified, and circulated in a digital landscape. The poor image is honest in some ways, despite being completely different from the original. It's a perfect reflection of today's society in which images must constantly change to be distributed around the world. In the never-ending swamp of the internet, a bad image has survived circulation, distribution, and even losing its name in original format. When a masterpiece is turned into a bad image, we can see it as a reflection of society, globalization, and survival. In short, it is about reality. Styral concludes her defense of the poor image. Even if we desperately want it to be, the reality isn't always beautiful, clean, or simple. Usually, reality is upsetting, ugly, and perplexing. A poor image is a representation of our reality, for better or worse, and there is much we can learn from observing it. And that is today's episode. I really love today's topic, and I hope y'all did too. Make sure you like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. We are on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and other forms of various social media. And listen in on the next episode.